Thank you, Gladys and Rowena, for that beautiful music. Amen. I used to listen to a, a Maori from New Zealand, a good friend of my father's, called Teddy Bennett. Some of you may have heard of him. and He used to sing that song. And it's a glorious song and a beautiful one to begin our worship with this morning. Now, I wonder, is Ben Martin and Rangi here? Come forward for a minute, gentlemen. Ben and Rangi, these are two young men from Avondale College doing theology. Now, we have a bit of a ring there, is that? And these guys... Uh, volunteer pastors in our church and I would just like to say a prayer for them and welcome them officially. Welcome Ben to Arunga Seventh Adventist Church and you too Randy. Both these young men are on fire for Jesus Christ and uh, I know they're going to make a difference in our church. You'll see them working uh, through the year and uh, I know you'll support them and if you see them today make sure you grab them and give them a big warm Warunga Seventh Day Adventist welcome. But I'd just like to pray over you guys and I wonder if Clifton's here. Why don't you come forward too? He's our other pastor. This is your pastoral team for 2005. We're here all together, I think, for the first time this year and uh, we're here to serve you and we just want, I just want to ask the Lord to bless these guys, three of them and you, as we start our pastoral year. Let, let's bow our heads. In fact, we might kneel while you bow your heads. Lord God in heaven, We come before you this morning on this Sabbath day and we pray that uh, you will bless these three young men, men who have committed their lives to you, that have been called to this church. May your Holy Spirit work through them this year. May they be powerful in uplifting your name to honour your cause in this church and this community. And Lord, as as we get to love them, may they serve you with purity of heart and a joy in the hope that you are coming soon. This is our prayer, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, God bless, guys, and we look forward to seeing you around in ministry here at our church. They've uh, caused me to literally have to tear my preaching plan up and start all the way over again. And so it's been a bit of a long, drawn-out process for me this year. But I praise the Lord that he sent three young men to our church. Amen? You know, we are, some of you may wonder why I've been preaching down here. Well, it's because of our television ministry that is beginning. It won't always be like this, but for the time, I need to preach from here because of the lights, uh, and I beg and pray that you'll bear with us, but I suspect you can all see me, and I, I want to continue to use the screen, and so I'll be preaching uh, down here for a little while anyway. Because we're into this television ministry, I I had something, I think it was humorous, happen to me this week. I've been being challenged by people to to listen to myself preach. Now, I'm not sure whether I'm an unusual preacher or not, but I don't like to listen to myself preach. I've never done it. It is uh, an exercise in honesty, let me assure you. And so, Brendan and I appreciate our sound men. We are blessed by a great sound team in this church and uh, I got Brendan to give me a CD and I had a little bit of time, in fact I was early to a Bible study here at the church which is unusual 
And so I sat in the car park, in my car, with the air conditioning going because it was a very hot day and I thought, well, I've got to do this eventually and with fear and trembling, I put the, the CD in my CD player and I began to listen to myself preach a sermon. Well, I wasn't enjoying it a real lot. To hear this laconic, laid-back, sometimes even slow Queensland drawl uh, the Lord must be in, in your hearts to be here this morning. And, and I was listening to myself, but I had a very hard week. And as I listened to myself, I found myself drifting off to sleep. And I thought to myself, I must be the only pastor in history to send myself to sleep. And I woke up, it was a start, as I came to the climax of the service and the people who I was studying with were there and, oh, it was an interesting experience. I sent myself to sleep. I don't want to do that to you this morning, amen? And so we're going to ask for the Holy Spirit to be here. But if you do go to sleep, at least I understand now what's happening. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love. And as we open the word this morning, here to praise your name and to grow closer to you. We just want to pray that your Holy Spirit will be in this church and that he'll drive us into a deeper walk with you because that is what we desire and long for this morning. Thank you Jesus for hearing my prayer. We pray in your name. Amen. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 verse 46 through to 49. I've entitled the sermon the study this morning, built on the rock, built on the rock. And we will go in the scripture this morning to Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through to 49. Not so long ago, I got a house, my wife and I, we got a house built for us on a block of land we had bought up there in Carrion, about an hour north, well, half an hour north of Sydney. And uh, I enjoyed watching this house being built. In fact, to this day, we don't live there anymore. We've moved back to Sydney, but it's, it's one of the nicer homes that I've had the privilege to live in. And I was very sad to move back to Sydney and leave this home. But when you get a house built, it doesn't come necessarily finished. And I'm a builder. And so it fell, it fell into my lap. It became my lot to build the fence surrounding this house because we have children and we wanted to keep the children safe and secure. So we were going to build a fence. Well, the problem was that this house had fill on one side as a foundation and rock on the other. And it was my summer holidays and so I thought, well, I'll start on the side where the rock was. Oh, I want to tell you, it was hard going. I had a crowbar and a pick and I went and, I went and hired a jackhammer and in the heat, it was one of the most difficult jobs that this sedentary pastor had done in some time and I was sweating and working hard through these holidays and promising myself that we would never build another house. That rock foundation for that fence went halfway around before I hit the fill. And I want to tell you that I spent most of my holidays boring through that rock. My hands, which are soft, I always tell my wife they're great lover's hands because they've got no calluses on them. I won't go too far down that road, but, but, but they got calluses on them from, 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 from the blisters that I got digging through the rock. It was hard work. It was arduous work. It was painful, time-consuming. It was slow and it was hot. 
Well, then I came to the fill side of the house where I was able to dig into soft, sandy fill. I want to tell you that I dug through those holes and put that fence up in less than a day. It was effortless work, the sort of work that I like. It was fast, it was quick, it was easy and it felt very rewarding. Which fence do you think I enjoyed building the most? It was not the fence with its foundations in the rock, let me tell you this morning. It was the fence with the foundations in the sand. Now turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through to 49. Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through to 49. Jesus is talking and he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without foundation. Some versions say with a foundation of sand. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed, its destruction was complete. Well, the storm came, as they do in Australia. One of those short, sharp, vicious summer storms swept over the mountain there at Carrion. I remember driving home in my car because I wasn't there when the storm struck. And there's my fence with its foundations in the rock, standing tall and solid and firm and strong. But the fence, you wouldn't believe it with the foundations in the sand, well, let me tell you that not only had half of it fallen over, but the other half had sunk to my horror. And I ended up spending more time trying to fix the fence with its foundations in the sand than I did in building the fence with its foundations in the rock. I think it's a good illustration of this passage in Luke chapter 6. Now, I want to look at this passage this morning for a few moments carefully. Luke chapter 6. Look at your Bibles. Two houses, two foundations. One foundation of one house is in the rock. And when the storm comes, it stands firm. Look at your Bibles. The other house has its foundations in the sand. And when the storm comes, the house collapses, it's destroyed. Now, who does the houses, who do these houses represent? Well, you don't have to be a theologian or a serious Bible student to see as you look at this story that the houses represent us. They represent you and me. And we choose to build our house on solid rock or on sand. And every single person sitting in this church this morning is making choices now on whether you will build your house on the rock or whether you will build your house on the sand. Now, if it is so destructive to build your house on the sand, then we need to find out what the sand is. And I want to go to a passage which will be on the screen found in Desire of Ages, page 244. Ellen White, commenting on this story, 
says if you build your life on human theories and inventions, your house will fall. By the winds of temptation, the tempest of trial, your house, she says, will be swept away. So what is it? What is the sandy foundation? It is, according to Ellen White in Desire of Ages, human theories and inventions. Now, what are some of these human theories and inventions that Ellen White and the word Jesus himself is talking about this morning? Well, I I want to spend a few moments with you this morning in this church and I want to build with you a house with foundations in the sand. And let's just see what happens to this house. Turn in your Bibles, will you, to Genesis, please. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Now, I know that you can all find that verse. If you've got a Bible, turn to Genesis 1.1. If you haven't got a Bible, then shimmy across to somebody who has. Brothers and sisters, if you're sitting out there today and you've got a Bible, look at the person next to you now. Do it. And if they haven't got a Bible, you share yours. This is important what we're going to look at this morning. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. We're going to build a house with foundations of sand. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. The Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now that's a definitive statement. It's very difficult to read that and come up with any other conclusion than that God created the earth. In fact, you should be here in this church this morning worshipping God, remembering that it was Jesus, the great God who we sang about in one of our hymns today, it was Jesus who created the earth. Amen. Amen. God created the earth. In fact, if you scan through Genesis chapter 1 and you go to the very last verse, verse 31, the Bible says, God saw that all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and morning, the sixth day. Not only does the Bible, read Genesis chapter 1. Not only does the Bible claim that God created the earth, and you stay with me this morning because this becomes very important, very interesting. Remember, we're trying to build a house with foundations on sand, not on rock. Not only does God say, I created the earth in the Bible, and it's a definitive statement, But God says, I created the earth in six literal days. And the Bible, not Lloyd Grolleman, not a theologian, not a college lecturer, the Bible says that God looked back on his creation after six literal days and he said, it is very good. Some of you know who attend this church that a year or two ago I was asked to visit a a neighbouring sister church, not an Adventist church, but a Protestant church. And I went to visit their youth group to share with that youth group about Seventh-day Adventists and what Seventh-day Adventists believe. And I want to tell you that as a pastor, I'll jump at opportunities like that. And I went to that church on a Sunday evening. And I went into their youth group and you'll remember for those of you I've told, I sat in that group and I wanted to find a point of reference of unity between us and them. And they were asking me, well, what do Seventh-day Adventists believe? And I looked across at the pastor 
And I tried to make eye contact with him. I wanted a point of reference that we could both go from. And I said, well, 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 Adventists are a people of the book and we believe in the literal six-day creation of the world. Amen? We believe in the literal six-day creation of the world. And I looked into the pastor's eyes and I thought, surely another Protestant church, there'll be not an issue on this. You know, he kind of dropped his eyes and said, well, no, that's not us. We don't believe in six literal days of creation. And it threw me. You know, there have been, as I have watched this discussion, some symposiums on creation, some run by the Adventist church, others not. There was a symposium at Moore College in, I think it would have been about 2002, on this issue, did God create the world in six literal days. There was one at Avondale College in 2003. There was one in Denver, the United States, in 2004. This is not just for Seventh-day Adventists. This is not a discussion just for Adventists. This was a discussion for Christianity where some of the leading minds in the world came together to discuss this question. Six literal days of creation or not? And I want to tell you this morning that I am proud to be a Seventh-day Adventist. And I am proud of our church and our leaders. And I felt like standing up tall when I saw the statements coming out of these symposiums from Seventh-day Adventist leaders affirming the biblical account of creation that God did create the world in six days. And I said, Amen. Praise the Lord for leaders like that. But there is in Christianity... And unfortunately, even in Seventh-day Adventism, there is a growing group who alarmingly repudiate the literal creation account of the Bible. They believe, many of them, in this thing called theistic evolution, trying to, trying, to, trying to come to grips with science and theology where they say, yes, God was involved in creation. Yes, God is up there. He is watching over us. He did create the world, but he did it through the process of evolution. And I want to tell you this morning, brothers and sisters, that if you are building your house on foundations, such as this, you are building your house on sand. It's not the place I want to build my house. Theistic evolution, the marrying of paganism to Christianity. That's how Satan built the church of the Middle Ages. Christianity and paganism, creation and evolution joined together. Now, we're beginning to build this house on foundations of sand this morning. We've built the first room, the denial of the literal six-day creation. It's a house on sand. It's looking good. But the Bible says it's doomed to, doomed to destruction. Follow me now with this. Let's build the bathroom on this house whose foundations rest on sand. Listen to me. If we deny, are you with me? Can you hear me? If we deny six literal days of creation, then we must deny the seventh day Sabbath. We are left with no alternative. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3 quickly. In your Bibles, you don't have to turn far. Thus the heavens and the earth were complete and all their vast array. This is the end of creation. By the seventh day... 
God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Sabbath is tied inseparately and intrinsically to creation. You cannot separate them. If there is no literal six-day creation, then you better believe me this morning, there is no literal seventh-day Sabbath because the Sabbath was made a creation. It's interesting that the the Protestant church that I visited a few months ago denies creation, denies six literal days of creation and they also deny a literal seventh day Sabbath. Now if you deny the Sabbath, I want to tell you this morning that you have a rather large problem. Have a look at Mark in your Bibles. Turn with me to Mark. Chapter 2, verse 27. If you deny the Sabbath, then there are large problems for Christians. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Mark chapter 2, verse 27, the Bible says, and this is Jesus speaking again, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Now, I don't know about you, but I can only speak for myself. But as I find the coming of Jesus drawing closer, I am finding it increasingly difficult to battle Satan. Are you finding that? I am finding it increasingly difficult as Satan throws temptations, large temptations at me like he has never thrown at me. And Satan, the Bible says, he's, he's racing around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour, 1 Peter 5, 8. Satan is looking to destroy you. Now, I have been walking with Jesus for almost 20 years now. I have been fighting this battle against the devil in my own life. And I have found no other way to defeat Satan than to be spending time with Jesus. And everything I do to spend time with Jesus, Satan is attacking. I try to do my Bible study, Satan attacks at time. I try to spend time with Jesus on my knees. Satan attacks that time. And I want to tell you today that Satan is attacking the Sabbath like never before in the history of the world. And he's attacking the Sabbath because he knows the Sabbath is the day that you spend time with Jesus. And as you spend time with Jesus, you get power, power from on high to defeat the devil. That's why the Sabbath is so important. The devil is attacking the Sabbath. If you deny six days literal creation, then you must deny, you have no choice to deny the Sabbath. Well, we are building the house. And I think the foundations are beginning to look a little wobbly. We have a bedroom and a bathroom. Well, let's build the kitchen on this house whose foundations are on sand. If we deny the biblical account of the Sabbath, Oh, sorry, if we deny the biblical account of creation, watch this. If we deny the biblical account of creation, then we're left with no alternative but to deny, to reject the literal seventh-day Sabbath. And that then leads us on to deny the law of God. Because the Sabbath is right smack bang in the middle of the law of God. Have a look. Exodus 20. Great chapter. Exodus chapter 20, great chapter on God's law. Not a better one in the, in the Bible. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 11. 
Remember the Sabbath day. Look at what the word says. In the middle of the law. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither your washing machine nor your dryer, nor anybody in your house, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day in the middle of God's law. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. In the middle of God's law... And there is a problem because if you're going to deny the Sabbath which is in the middle of God's law then flick quickly to me and with me to James chapter 2. I know I'm moving you around the Bible this morning but that's okay. We're a Bible believing church. James chapter 2 and verse 10. Here's the problem for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. If you're going to reject the Sabbath, then you break all of God's law. If you're a liar, you break all of God's law. If you use profanity using the name of the Lord, you break all of God's laws. You break one, you break them all. And I believe that is why we are seeing in Christianity today such a movement toward abrogating in its ranks the law of God. The Protestant church I visited is doing this. They are doing it. I have watched from afar. In Canada, this same church, now saying that there is nothing wrong with same-sex marriages. This same church now ordaining, unbelievable, bishops, pastors who are in active homosexual relationships with another man, abrogating, denying, rejecting the law of God. And we see it, dishonesty in the church, backbiting and slander, a lack of love and compassion. You know, I'm listening on TV just the other day and one of the most respected evangelists in the world, um, it wasn't through ABN or Hope, uh, you get another five or six channels when you hook up to the satellite dish. And here's one of the most respected evangelists in the world, up the front, television evangelist, preaching and to my horror, using the name of the Lord in vain. You see, if you reject creation, if you reject the Sabbath, then you are going to reject the law and the fruits will come out, whether you like it or not, in your life. We are building a house with foundations on sand. We have a bedroom, a bathroom and a kitchen, kitchen so let's, let's build a living room. If we deny creation, if we deny the Sabbath and if we deny the Ten Commandments, now follow me, then we must deny the Bible as the Bible is God's storehouse. He has chosen to make his law known. And you can go from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22 and you'll see that this book is full chock-a-block full of God's law from one end to the other. And if you are going to reject creation, you will reject the Sabbath. You've got to. And if you reject the Sabbath, you must reject the law because if you reject the Sabbath, you've rejected one point of the law and the Bible says you reject one point, you reject it all. And if you reject the law, then I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, there'll come a point where you'll reject the Bible. And we are seeing that in Christianity today. 
We're seeing it. And we're seeing it in the world. Now, the Bible makes some pretty big claims upon itself. Have a look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And I'm reading from the NIV, but I, I, I wish I'd read this one from the old KJV because it says it better. For all Scripture, my Bible says is God breathed. But I think the KJV says, for all Scripture is inspired of God. The Bible makes this claim. It says the whole book is inspired of God. Now, brothers and sisters, if the Bible is to believe, then we must believe its claims on creation. Or the Bible is false and God is a liar. We must believe its claims on the Sabbath. Or the Bible is false and God forbid I know it's not the truth, we could call him a liar and he's not. We must believe the Bible's claims and if we believe them, then God's law is still in, in, in practice in Christ, amongst Christians today. A great weakness in the Christian church today is that many don't want to take the Bible as the word of God anymore. And it's in Adventism too. The Protestant church I visited, I gave up trying to find a point of reference, a point of commonality. I never believed in Jonah and the fish or the flood or three Hebrew worthies who had Jesus standing in the fiery furnace with them. I never believed that God opened up the Red Sea so the children of Israel could march through. And you can see it in Christianity as the word of God becomes non-effect. And that's why we see homosexual bishops being ordained in Christianity. And I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters, when we see that happening, it damages Adventism too, you know that? It damages us too because we are a part, I understand the prophetic, I understand the prophetic interpretations of Adventism and our place in the great scheme of things for God, but I want to tell you that when Christianity does these things, it impacts on us too because these are our brothers and sisters, Amen. They are brothers and sisters and it impacts on us too. It's not just the Christian world that is scoffing at the Bible today though. It, it, it's, I want to tell you, it's also the secular world. I'm listening to a radio station on the way home this week and there's a very famous, well-known radio presenter on the radio and you know this guy's saying, hey listen, uh, this pastor he won't have a, a funeral in his church, a military funeral, because he believes that you shouldn't kill. And this radio announcer, some of you may have heard it, and all his listeners did nothing but scoff at what the Bible had to say about killing. You see, if, if you deny creation, then you are going to deny the Sabbath. And if you deny the Sabbath, you are going to deny the law. You can't help it. It amazes me, this denial of the law thing. You know, our governments... Stand in wonder as we see what's happened this last week out at Macquarie Fields. Uh, you know, terrible, terrible riots or, or the riots that happened in Redfern not so long ago. We live in a city, we live in a culture that is denying creation, that has denied the Sabbath, has denied the Lord of God, has denied His Word. And while we live in a culture, a society like this, that has denied God's word, that takes no notice of his law, we are going to see events like we saw out at Macquarie Fields, lawlessness. We are going to see it and it's going to become more prevalent as people ignore and build houses on foundations of sand. I went to visit one of our, Tammy, our 
our new children's ministry leader, whom I see here today. And we're glad to have Tammy on board. She lives in the, I hope she doesn't mind me saying she lives in the beautiful house. But to get in there, I had to, I had to go through a big security fence. I had to ring her phone on this to get into her home. I have an alarm in my house every time I go out. I'm not going to tell you what my alarm number is, but I punch it in and I leave the alarm on. Why? Because we're living in a culture, a society, in a city that, that has, denied, it has denied creation. It has denied the Sabbath. It has denied the law of God. It has denied the Bible. And we are reaping what we are sowing. The final room. The final room on this foundation made of sand is the lounge room. If you deny creation, if you deny the Sabbath and the law and you reject the Bible, then ultimately you must deny Jesus Christ. And that's the most serious of all. John chapter 5 verse 39, Jesus talking to the Pharisees says, You search the Bible. You search the scriptures because you think in them you're going to get eternal life. But Jesus said these scriptures, this word really does nothing but speak about me. I want to tell you this morning, brothers and sisters, as you accept God's word, you will believe, as I do, that Jesus is the creator of the world. You can't escape it. As you accept God's word, you will believe that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. That Jesus is the fulfilment of the law, not the abolisher of the law. That Jesus is the reason the Bible exists. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, that if there, listen to me as I conclude today, if there is no creation, six day literal creation, God forbid, if there is no Sabbath, if there is no law and if the Bible is irrelevant, then I tell you this morning, there is no Jesus Christ. The house built on sin will collapse because without Jesus, the Christian church, even our society, our culture, our country, without Jesus, we are nothing. The house collapses on itself. Do you today choose to build on sand or do you choose to build on the rock? I choose to build my house on the rock, Jesus. Jesus is the rock. Read 1 Corinthians 10.4. He is real. I believe Jesus created the world in six literal days. Amen? I believe that Jesus made the Sabbath so he could spend time with us. Amen? I believe that Jesus authored the law. I believe that Jesus inspired the Bible. And today, my house, praise God, stands firm on the rock, Jesus Christ. There was a missionary, as I close, in India, who was doing an outreach to just a small group of Indian people. And in that group sat an old Hindu priest. And as he listened to the missionary talk about Jesus who created the world. As he listened to the missionary talk about the joys of the Sabbath and how God's law, this wonderful character, uh, this wonderful 
document that gives us God's character, as he listened to this, as he, as he listened to the missionary share about the Bible and how Jesus came down and died on the cross for the sins of the world and how his blood purges us from the darkest, darkest errors and sins, as this old heathen priest listened to this, he jumped up and he ran to the front of that small outreach and he said, brother, well I guess he didn't say brother, pastor, Pastor, stop preaching this message from this book. If you keep preaching this message from this book, the old Hindu priest said, you will convert all of India. And that's the point, isn't it? There is power in accepting God's word. And in a day where the Bible is under attack, where creation is under attack, where the Sabbath is under attack, where God's law is being trodden on, where the Bible is being thrown out, in a day at the end of the world where all this is happening, we as Seventh-day Adventists of all people need to stand firm. And we need to say, Jesus, you are our saviour. And we will build our house on you, our rock, and we will listen to your word and we will walk successfully and powerfully through with you to the end of time. I feel like Paul did when he said, well, Peter, sorry, he said, I'm not talking to you about fables or fantasies. It is true. Jesus is the rock and if we sink our foundations into that rock, believing on his word, then praise God, We will stand with Jesus through the trials and the tempests and the storms that are ahead of us and we will stand strong. It's my prayer this morning as we finish this time of Bible study that this will be your experience. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, the whole world is building their houses on foundations of sand. And everywhere we look, Father, we see these Foundations collapsing. We see people struggling because they have no rock to hold on to. Please bless them, Lord, and be merciful to them and see them and reach out your hand to save them. And for us who have your word, help us, Lord, in times of doubt. In times, Lord, where people are throwing away what you say, And disbelieving what you state in your word, help us, Lord, to be people of faith, even when we don't understand, to hold on to you and to believe that you do tell the truth. Help us to hold on to these promises and please, God, help us to build our house on you, our rock, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.